and welcome to the first edition of Talk of True, our monthly podcast. My name is Billy Elliott. And I am Charlie West. And we are True, a not-for-profit initiative striving to inspire socio-ethical impact and acknowledgement for those topics that matter. Talk of True is our monthly podcast where we compact news and share some of the stories that we've covered over the past month. There's no doubt that we're going through some uncertain times as a collective right now, but one thing's for certain, our podcast always ends on a positive. Read, listen, advocate. Stay informed with True. Okay, here we go. We're starting with um, our main topic, which is on President Biden's vision for America. So it's really exciting that Joe Biden has now um, taken us on the new presidential role of the United States. Woo! Woo! I'm honestly chuffed. And I love um, I loved hearing about him and how he reversed all the laws as soon as he, that um, Donald Trump's put in place. Yeah. As soon as he came into power, and I think it was was it the twentieth of January a few days ago that he was officially officially um, stepping into the role. Did you watch the inauguration, Billy? I didn't actually because it was my birthday at the same time. Oh, what a day! <laughs> yeah, I know. I felt like a momentous birthday it was, but yeah, I was a bit distracted by other things. Did it you? was. I did. I did. Yeah. I, I'm. I am an American citizen. I'm a dual citizen. Um, you know, I know we shouldn't really talk about who we vote for, but I did not vote for Trump. Um, and I, I, yeah, I wanted to watch the inauguration. I thought it was important and, um, it was, it was, it was inspiring. It was quite surreal watching, watching somebody standing in that role, talking with such integrity and such, Mm. um, uh, such gravity and such, uh, appreciation for the role as a role of service and a role for honoring you know, the will of the people. And yeah, it was, it was nice to kind of have that feeling again, that that's what politics and politicians should be about. So Mm, absolutely. Yeah, it was great. It's been so encouraging to see Joe Biden and um, presidents and um, leaders like Jacinda Ardern in New Zealand as well, isn't it? It feels like there is maybe a bit of hope for our future and the future of our our world and the politics um, that will ensue. Yeah, it seems like he's got you know, there were some very interesting characters at his inauguration. Um, mm-hmm. It was quite diverse. We had Lady Gaga singing a song, um, yeah. singing a song, singing the national anthem. Mm-hmm. Um, she nailed it. And J-Lo was there. Um, she sang a country star. I can't remember his name, but I know that he's he's a very beloved country star in America. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the thing that's really been hitting the headlines and all over social media is the amazing poem by Amanda Gorman. Mm-hmm. Have you come across that? Yeah, absolutely incredible. Yeah. So it was, it was, um, it was a really lovely collective of people and yeah, hope, hopeful was, is a good word for it. So um, what we're talking about, I suppose, a bit more today is um, Joe Biden's vision for America. Some of the things that he's already done, he, he's already done so much, it feels like, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. compared to the last four years. What is it in the like first day days? and a half of his, yeah. <laughs> of his um, administration? But yeah, um, so specifically, some of the things, some of the really crucial um, things that Joe Biden has outlined for his administration for the next four years that he is going to fulfill, that he's going to do for America. Um, 
so I guess right now, obviously, we are still in the middle of the COVID pandemic. Um, and Joe Biden has responded to that with really practical, um, quite strategic ways of dealing with the economic situation, as well as vaccine rolling out, um, kind of hitting it head on, as opposed to Trump's attitude. Um, but the first thing that he's kind of laid out is a $1.9 trillion American rescue plan. Um, mm. And this has been proposed to increase support for struggling businesses. Um, it's the same everywhere, but lots and lots of businesses, independent businesses in America are struggling or have had to shut down. So this is designed to support those businesses and see them through. Mm-hmm. Um, it's there for the unemployed. Um, so un- like uh, benefits for those who are currently unemployed during the pandemic uh, and those experiencing financial difficulties as a result of the pandemic. Um, so that's one of the key initiatives that he's going to be implementing mm-hmm. as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's incredible, isn't it? Oh my lordy! Like all that, all that money needs to go into these things so desperately, and I, I, I'm actually a bit shocked that I'm shocked about this. Like I'm surprised and like amazed, and then I'm thinking, God, I shouldn't really be feeling so surprised and amazed. Um, the fact that the the government is going to be um, supporting the people financially through this really difficult financial time. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, so uh, again, like there, there was there was a bit of that under Trump, to be honest. Um, but it was, as far as I'm aware. So I, um, I, I've been shielding away from my main home in Bristol, but I got a picture from my housemates. They sent me some posts, and it was basically a check. It was a one-off check for like one thousand two hundred dollars signed by Donald Trump, and that was a relief payment. And that was a relief payment that was issued, I think, to anybody who earned a, under a certain amount. Um, and I don't know if that went up slightly if you had more children or not, but it was a one-off payment that was supposed to see people through. Wow. Just um, recently they decided to issue another payment. Um, but that... How does, yeah, how does he expect that to be realistic? It's just a, it's a very, uh, very strange notion to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of the stuff within this um, this new rescue plan that Biden's put forward is very targeted as well. So... Um, three billion alone is going to help women and children to secure food, um, and one billion to assist with food and nutrition, making sure it's um, nutritionally valuable food. Um, mm-hmm. Another forty billion—it's quite a lot. It's quite crazy yeah. figures, isn't it? And will be used to boost a grant program helping childcare providers pay for rent mm-hmm. and utilities. And three hundred fifty billion is going to be sent to local governments to keep frontline workers employed distribute vaccines and to maintain crucial services so it's really quite targeted like financial initiatives within the package so that's really good yeah i mean he's also signed a bill to extend existing federal like non-discrimination protections for lgbtq people okay Um, it's really exciting um, it's basically just reversing a lot of um, the sort of things that Trump has put in place. Um, but it's been said to be like the most substantial and wide ranging executive order concerning like se- sexual orientation wow. uh, and, gen- and gender identity so, uh, ever issued by the US president. So like it's basically going to be incredibly inclusive and it has never been um, so inclusive, inclusive as it seems to be becoming with Joe under Joe Biden's um watchful eye so that's really exciting um and it's going to extend sort of limitations that discriminate against 
just people based on sex to also look at like gender and gender identity and sexual orientation. So it's it's almost it's very much considering people who are um, gender non-conforming mm-hmm. or um, gender variant or you know trans people, people who um, don't just fit into the categories that our our society really focuses on um, or has done basically forever the the question of gender and the binary so basically joe biden you know being an old old white guy i'm pretty i'm pretty happy with the way that he's considering people um all, all stripes basically he, he mm. seems to be very much sort of focusing on the idea that we need to be respectful for of everyone everyone deserves respect which i really like yeah i think well. he's he's aware of and he knows that he's got to acknowledge that a large part of his supporter base or you know within his support base there's a large large number of lgbtq um identifying people or non-binary people um as well as young black minority ethnic people, uh, you know, he's got a really diverse supporter base. And I think it's not good enough in this day and age to ignore, um, you know, the racial issues, racial politics that have always been an issue in America or to ignore um, the issues that are affecting um, gay, lesbian, trans people. Like those, Mm -hmm. those are people that have actively voiced their support for him during this election. So Mm -hmm. it's time. I think to really step up and do something about it, and he's got pressure on him from the, from the more kind of progressive parts of the party. There's a lot yeah. of people looking up to him to fulfil those promises. So mm-hmm. I hope, I hope so. I hope he'll come through in that regard. Yeah, I mean, he already has been signing um, signing things around it, so it's brilliant. The other big thing that he's promised um, is that he is going to raise the federal minimum wage from seven dollars twenty five cents an hour to $15 an hour, which is equivalent to about £11.50 an hour. Um, Uh, Yeah, and that in particular is a decision that earned him a lot of support um, from many younger voters. Um, He's acknowledged that this change will be difficult. Historically, it's always got a lot of um, resistance, the idea of increasing the minimum wage, Mm -hmm. um, usually because things like this go along with increased taxes, which is something that's very... Um, resisted against in America but it's acknowledging the reality that there are a lot of young people especially people working in service industries working 40 hour weeks and who are still living below the poverty line and obviously that's not good enough Um, it's not good enough that people working 40 hours a week still are struggling to make ends meet Um, so the idea is boosting the minimum wage will support many people um, working at the forefront of the pandemic, but just even pandemic aside, support many people working in lower paid industries. Oh, wow. I'm very excited for the future of America. Um, the President Joe Biden's Vision for America article was written by Johnny Rogers, and you can find the rest of the information for that on our website. Okay, now next part of the show, Did You Know?, Um, This is the part of the show where we talk about some other stories in a little bit more of a snappy fashion. We give you some basic facts and we direct you to articles on our website. So let's start off with recycling. Did you know that according to 2017's research paper, out of 8.3 billion tonnes of virgin plastics produced globally, only 9% is actually recycled? Wow. Really low number, isn't it? That, um, yeah, 
that is a that is a very low so that's a global statistic global recycling yeah globally so virgin plastic so plastics that have been not been recycled yet right only nine percent are recycled i mean that is incredibly low and i mean i think people think a lot of the time that recycling is um is like doing a really good job and i mean to an extent it is don't, don't be disheartened you know we, we should continue to do so but it, it basically is saying that the uk okay for an example the uk exported six six hundred and eleven thousand tons of recovered plastic packaging to other nations before the end of 2018 mm. um so the, yeah i mean there's there's a couple of things there isn't it like i think in the uk it's i i think that in the article it says that there's about 44 percent of our household waste is recycled mm-hmm. which is quite mm-hmm. a good statistic mm-hmm. um but i've definitely lived in countries where recycling is not really a thing um mm-hmm. so i remember in portugal not many people were recycling and a lot of people were drinking bottled water mm-hmm. um i've lived in ecuador where recycling infrastructures just don't exist so i guess on a global level the fact it's nine percent um it's not you know, there aren't the same initiatives and infrastructure that there are in the UK in, in mm. many other countries. So absolutely. And and plastic is still just so prevalent, isn't it? It's just Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a complex issue, you know. If there's no if there is no recycling facilities in other in other um countries and other areas of the world, then of course there will be no recycling. And so we can't we can't um completely blame the individual can we in fact we really can't it's all about the recycling industries yeah i mean 60 percent of our recycling is forwarded on to mixed recovery facilities um and here that that's likely that more waste will be siphoned off and consequently not recycled at all mm. um so i mean ensuring that you recycle as much as possible um is one of the best ways to adopt like a more sustainable lifestyle in your everyday but it is important that we hold waste companies accountable for how they ensure their practices are as eco-friendly as they need to be in order to minimize the impact our waste is on the planet really mm. um yeah so yeah don't stop recycling basically but um we need to work harder to put pressure on um waste companies um to do a better job um yeah and- I guess a good way of putting pressure is write to your local MP um, mm-hmm. and write to the Environment Secretary because mm-hmm. that is always a good way to put pressure as well, um, mm-hmm. put pressure on politicians. Um, yeah. And that is George Eustace, by the way, uh, the Environment Secretary, George Eustace. Great. Thanks for that, Charlie. Yeah. So th- this article, The Wasteful Reality of Recycling, was written by Bronner Lolan and you can find that on our website. Charlie, take it away. Okay. Yeah, okay. Did you know? This is an exciting one. I'm particularly excited about this. So, um, sadly, only 17% of England's rivers are in good health. So that that's not great. Uh, water mm. quality is a, a, a low number. Yeah, it's low. But something that is being introduced to combat this, to help mm. with the problem, is beavers. Beavers are being reintroduced to combat the problem so um how how are beavers helping charlie beavers are quite incredible little creatures so beavers um became extinct um or became hunted almost to extinction or pretty much eradicated from certain countries um they're not extinct worldwide obviously but in the uk they were pretty much eradicated in the 16th century um because they were hunted um Mm -hmm. 
for their fur um people, people use their fur pelts um and for it's kind of something weird because it's it's castorium which is a secretion that they make and that's was used in all sorts of medicines and perfumes like castor and oil and stuff maybe yeah maybe um <laughs> but yeah they were pretty much eradicated here and in a lot of other countries they were they were hunted almost to extinction for their furs mm. um but they are they're like little engineers they're actually a keystone species do you know what that is no, tell me more. Um, so a keystone species is um, it's an animal that, because of their effect on other organisms in the ecosystem, they're, they're really crucial. They're critical in maintaining the whole structure of an ecological community. So you'll often see once beavers move into an area, they start making dams in rivers and streams. That's in, that's specifically what they do because they create these little ponds that they then build their lodges in yes they're called lodges they're their little houses <laughs> made of sticks and mud um oh. and they create these little kind of mini ponds or lakes and then around that you start to see um loads more insects and dragonflies and um, bugs that live on top of the water and birds then that feed on those bugs so it starts to the ecosystem really starts to flourish um, they can help decrease flooding to larger rivers that these streams and these um, these secondary waterways run into because with heavy rains often the larger rivers just get flooded and they spill mm. the banks but if you've got all these kind of subsidiary streams that it stops the water from flowing as quickly mm -hmm. so they help to mitigate flooding um, quite radically which is really cool. It's so cool I literally who, who knew like I mean obviously experts knew and people who were interested already but I mean I'm just amazed at how beavers can are just incredibly capable um, mm. in terms of being able to like cut trees down, build. I kind of knew that they did that, but I didn't really, I never really put it in my imagination. Never really imagined it properly that that um, that they could actually do all these things and create all these basically um, lodges. Like you say, yeah, it's really cool. So just just looking forward um, by 2025, there's a Riverlands project which involves the introduction of beaver populations to multiple locations. There's already a few where it's been happening. Um, and that includes the whole Nicot estate um, in Exmoor. So they've already had like a really positive impact there. But moving forwards, the Riverlands project wants to introduce them um, to multiple locations and they are set to restore 25,000 hectares of wildlife rich habitats. Wow. And then that will obviously increase yeah they'll increase the number of amphibians and insects and bats and birds and overall um wildlife diversity which is something that we need to like really think about in the uk and bring back our wildlife so that's really cool go beavers yeah and if you want to read more about that um that article was written by tori scott beavers brought back to help prevent flooding in the uk mm, brilliant Right, let's move swiftly on to living a more eco-friendly life. 59% of people do not feel they could make any eco-friendly changes to their current lifestyle because their bank balance would not allow it. So there was a Huffington Post study in America that found that the biggest reason people don't recycle is because it is inaccessible or inconvenient. Um, the average person has just about £159 of disposable income per month. But, I mean, seven in ten would wish that they had more to allow them to live a greener life. There are lots of things that we can do, though, that can actually be pretty affordable. 
in order to live um, more of an eco-friendly life. Eco-friendly changes include investing in reusables. So um, if we if we can, like as many of us as possible, buying things like lifetime coffee cups and flasks and stuff that we can use when we have takeaway drinks, um, or even trying to invest more in alternative plastics like hemp plastics and things like that, or plastics and um, things made out of bamboo and clothes as well with less plastic in. But you can also buy local and homegrown food as much as possible. So it's an interesting question, isn't it, these things? Because a lot of the time, these buying local and homegrown foods can be a bit inaccessible for people in different um, marginalised communities. But um, if there's any way of visiting farmers markets and buying things for that have been grown more close to home, that's massively reducing the carbon footprint. Yeah. Reducing food waste and footprint as well. So reducing food waste is kind of a kind of one of those things that is I think overlooked quite a lot of the time. Um, but even things like joining apps like um, food waste apps like Too Good to Go and Olio and Karma. Um, these apps that help you to connect with local businesses that have food that's going to go to waste unless you can come and collect it for a very low cost. Um, it can actually be quite exciting as well because you can pick up some really good deals and find some really nice, um, delicious food for really um, cheap, basically. Mm, I've heard really good things about Olio. And I, I think, yeah, I think a lot of it is like there's a lot of kind of behavioural rethinking that we need to do. Like a lot of people wouldn't think to do that and they might feel a bit strange about it but I don't understand why like it's I haven't done it before I haven't got earlier but you know you can pick up loads of really really amazing food that for really cheap that come from the, all these mm. lovely delis and restaurants that otherwise it's just going to get thrown in the bin yeah um, so I need to sign up for that and also things like you know I am guilty of I have a reusable coffee cup but sometimes I just don't, I just don't think to put it in and I end up probably still using throwaway coffee cups too much of the time and that's just me like I need to ingrain that practice a bit more of always mm-hmm. making sure I have it with me because yeah it's just it's too about easy forming to fall habits. Back. yeah yeah exactly forming habits I mean I think it's more about more of us giving it a go in our own way and imperfectly you know then try then a few people trying to do it perfectly mm. um because you know there are people out there I think who um, try and do everything exactly right all the time and kind of judge themselves when they don't, don't perhaps. But actually, that's not as effective, in my opinion, as everyone doing their bit, everyone doing whatever they can in their small ways, mm. because collectively that can make a much greater change. Yeah, and even in supermarkets, like supermarkets respond to customer demand. So like apples, like we have some of the best apples in the world in this country. And in the supermarket, there's always apples from New Zealand and apples from South Africa. But there are always, I'm pretty sure, throughout the year, apples from the UK as well. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, you could just make that decision to buy apples from mm-hmm. the UK. You know? Yeah, totally agree. Across the board, that can make a difference. Yeah, that's a really nice one, actually, a nice little tip. Yeah. Um, okay, let's move on. So that just before we move on, the article um, that we're referring to is How to Make Small Changes for a Big Impact. And that was written by Nicole Nadler. Um, so you can find that on our website. Okay, so did you know 30 major cities across the world have pledged to rid streets of fossil fuels by 2030 in a bid to tackle pollution and drastically reduce emissions? Mm. Yeah, so that's quite a big pledge, isn't it? Um, yeah, that's quite soon as well. Yeah, 
It's uh, that's a lot, um, and one of the main initiatives that they are coming up with to do this is an initiative called Green Streets, which is an approach to um, stormwater management that aims to reduce the amount of pollutants carried into rivers by capturing rainwater rather than redirecting it into sewers and gutters. Mm. Um, yeah, so Green Streets. It's- I love that idea. They're just going to have these kind of like, are they going to have like loads of buckets all around the city collecting the rainwater? <laughs> yeah, I mean, so there's a number of things that they're using. It, it can be done using plant beds and trees. So uh, again, natural organisms, um, permeable pavements. So rethinking the structural surfaces in the city and rain gardens, which absorb water from rooftops and other surfaces. Um, oh. And again, this is all about ensuring that rivers remain clean and flood risks are also reduced. So there's a big mm-hmm. practical positive for people living in um, streets. Um, the initiative Green Streets also promotes more environmentally friendly lifestyles by shifting, crucially, the focus from cars to methods of transport like walking and cycling. Um, and it's including other features such as energy efficient street lights. So rethinking lots of the kind of uh, high high energy using uh, infrastructure within the city and polluting things within the city um yeah. yeah so barcelona is one of the cities that is involved with this uh barcelona's plan also includes the creation of 21 public squares to realign the city's focus from cars and busy roads to eco-friendly urban areas for use by surrounding communities I think, and I think that's really important. I think when we think about the structures of our cities, um, mm-hmm. there's, I guess there's ways of designing cities that make people not want to use a car. Like in America, a lot of American cities are built in grid systems. So yeah. they literally look like um, a coordinate grid or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the streets, you've got streets running vertically and then you've got crossing streets running horizontally and they're just designed for cars they don't have these lovely pedestrianized centers where Mm. people are dissuaded from using cars because it's so easy to get around on foot and actually having a car is more troublesome than it is to walk or cycle like lots of european cities yeah Um, totally and it's really hard to get away from using a car in american cities Mm -hmm. yeah across the whole country la especially Mm -hmm. is notorious for like you drive everywhere and there's not a particularly good transit system, but mm. it's 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 so hard to move around without a car and the way that we design our cities is is really central to that. So that Yeah, is- I totally relate to that. I I'm actually from Brighton and the system here is um that there's a huge road going right in the middle of where there used to be a lot of parks. And they're actually slowly making changes to reverse that um, and try and change change it so that the road goes all the way around the city on the parameters of the city rather than right, right through the city. And that hopefully will create more of a kind of collaborative community environment with lots more green space. Mm. So I think that's going to be brilliant. So a lot of that, like it's city planning, it's a really important um, and really crucial uh, process at the moment, isn't it, in order to um, promote a more sustainable future? Yeah, and it's and it's and is it is this holistic approach. Green streets is supposed to be something that has m- many different effects. So it's not just about cutting down air pollution or not polluting rivers as much with water runoff, but it's about enhancing the urban environment for people and improving their quality of life. It's about dismantling this car obsessed lifestyle for those living in cities um it's about cutting carbon emissions and 
it's already been used by lots of smaller communities within cities as a way of encouraging wildlife in urban areas and creating healthier lifestyles um, and just um, discouraging things like vandalism and graffiti. So it's this really wide reaching thing, um, tackling multiple forms of pollution. Um, so yeah, that's a positive. And if you want to find out more about it, um, a great article was written by Martha Davies and that's called Green Streets Are Rejuvenating Our Urban Areas. Excellent. Thanks, Charlie. Okay, so Charlie, this next article is either true or fake. Are you ready? Okay, yeah. No, well, yes. I've basically decided, Charlie, that I think it would be really fun, right, to have one article where you and the audience decide whether the thing, the article that I'm um, reading or the article that I'm telling everybody is true or false, because there's so much false news out there at the moment, and it's so easy to believe things that are not true. And so I thought it would be quite fun to have a little game at the end where I display a story and you decide whether it's true or fake. That's hard. I think that's hard because in today's world, like, anything could happen. But but it'll be interesting. I'm up for it. Let's give it a go. Amazing. Amazing. Let's do it. Okay, this is quite a fun one as well. Yeah. Okay, Charlie, true or fake? Octopuses have been caught on camera punching other fish out of spite while hunting alongside them near the seafloor. Okay, so I watched a little video about this, right? Mm. And people are saying it's out of spite, but there's actually lots of different theories. The octopuses are punching fish um, as a kind of almost, um, almost like enacting a sort of partner's squabble. And it's a way, this is one theory is that it's a way that octopuses are are, um, controlling fish in order to get a better hunting better hunting outcomes so they hunt together octopuses and fish so according to the researcher though the puncher was noticed when octopuses and fish were hunting alongside one another right and people are also saying that it could be a form of aggression against a misbehaving fish see i think you've given me so much information already that it's already it's quite obviously true (laughs) i think if you'd just given me the headline it would have been maybe a bit more like it could be implausible but you've laid out so much surrounding information around it that it's quite obviously true isn't it but i could have just been very clever and just no do you know what i I, I have seen that video as well i'm i'm really into like i'm really into marine um just i'm really into the ocean and i'm really into i follow quite a lot of like marine conservation things Mm -hmm. on instagram and i have seen i've seen the video of the octopus punching the fish i've seen it so you already knew then. <laughs> yeah. Either way, you would have got it anyway. Yeah, you're I, right. I think I was lucky in that instance. I um, I have seen it because I'm, I'm I like the marine <laughs> stuff. But yeah, it is funny. It's a funny video watching an octopus punch a fish. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they are incredibly smart, though. I'm sure they have a good reason for doing it. Octopuses. Yeah, apparently they're as intelligent as we are. Yeah, they have. So as far as I understand it, it's probably scientifically not very well explained but octopuses are our oldest so in terms of other forms of animals that are related to us like it's about as far back as it goes where humans Mm -hmm. and octopuses separated that branch and evolution was like millions of years ago um, and almost Mm -hmm. like every other animal that exists we're kind of more closely related to they're kind of like our oldest um we we branched off from them like the furthest back in time compared to any other animal and they are yeah they're incredibly smart but they have such a different um nervous system and 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 
their cognition. Apparently they've got like what's what's talked about as being cognition in their tentacles, like which seems to me like they wow. think with their tentacles, like part of their brain and that, that sensory system it goes into their tentacles. Um, again, probably not very well explained, but they are incredibly intelligent. They are. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. Oh Thanks, my gosh, Charlie. And on octopus, if 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 there's on. anything that you need to watch about octopuses, it's called My Octopus Teacher. It's on Netflix. And, oh, I've heard about and that. And it's an incredible documentary. If you want to see for yourself how smart um, they are, then that's a lovely, lovely documentary to watch. I highly recommend it. Oh yeah, I've heard about that about a man who makes a friend with, make friends with an octopus. I, I mean, it sounds like a hilarious concept, but I've heard it's incredibly um, beautiful and interesting. It is. It is. Just just amazing. watch it. <laughs> oh, amazing. Okay, well, those were our stories for our January edition. We hope you found this month's topic to be as interesting and thought provoking as we did. I thought it was pretty thought provoking. What do you think, Charlie? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All sources and original articles can be found online on our website, true, that's T-R-U dot org dot U-K. If you'd like to keep in touch and support our mission to help society stay informed, you can join us as a member today from just £2 a month at true.org.uk forward slash advocate. Each member receives a free copy of our annual magazine, which is just a brilliant magazine, by the way. It's just our first one has just been produced, hasn't it? And your contribution helps fund our not-for-profit projects such as this podcast. Join us as an advocate at true.org.uk forward slash advocate. That's it for today, but we'll be back next month helping you stay informed. This episode was hosted by me, Charlie West. And me, Billy Elliott. And music was by Alex Heen. And it was produced by Sean Britton. See you next time. See you later. (laughs) 